1: The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. And welcome once again, folks. It is Woo Reacts, and this time, Woo Reacts. WWE No Mercy, an almost mega card of sorts, a WrestleMania-caliber card. I am your host, as always, Patrick Hedza, and joining me, Mr. Harry Broadhurst. I mean,
0: when the hell do we ever get a B-Show pay-per-view with this size of a card? Alright, to be fair, beyond the two main events that they announced for tonight, though, those were their two really well-built matches on this show, everything else was... I think I saw one line somewhere. It says something along the lines of two WrestleMania-worthy matches and five Velocity-worthy matches, which made me chuckle. I would not go that low. No, but I, the thought of it made me chuckle just because of the fact of what the rest of the roster is supposed to think they are, chopped liver in comparison to Strowman, Lesnar, Reigns, and Cena.
1: Yeah, I mean, to me, it was like five matches of... No Mercy, and two WrestleMania matches, which to me would automatically almost bring the card up. And truth be told, a good chunk of this show, I think, would have fit the bill for a WrestleMania. And, I mean, we'll talk about it more as we get into the show, which, I mean, should we just get going? Let's do it. All righty. Real quick, as always, we are a presentation of the W2M Network. You can find more information, including our past shows, including what may just be, unfortunately, the absolute worst episode we've ever done, Wrestling Unwrapped on the 1988 Bunkhouse Stampede, finals, all of that and more on w 2 com. As well, you can find us on 411mania.com, and last word on sports, and last word on
0: prowrestling.com. Well, at least the normal shows you can find on 411mania and last word on sports. I'm not sure if the specialty shows get posted there or not. But if they do, hey, thanks for having us, guys. Whoopsie. Alrighty. So, real quick,
1: kicking things off, did you watch the pre-show? Yes, I did. All right. And I have a question for you.
0: I, I might an have an answer.
1: I need an answer. Do you want to
0: walk with Elias? You know what? I will be honest. I was somebody who did not especially care for his gimmick down in NXT. I think that he has stepped his game up tremendously since he's been brought up to the main roster. And frankly, I think he's probably one of the more over on the raw brand right now. Who else?
1: Part of that is Cheap Heat.
0: Well, yes, but I think a lot of that also has to do with the fact, too, and I think there's a pocket of fans that want to cheer for him as well, and this Los Angeles crowd tonight would definitely fall into that pocket of fans. He was getting mostly face reactions tonight before he started doing his song where he was bashing the city.
1: Yes, it's uh, Insert City Here Sucks. So first we get a song from Elias, and then our kickoff, or our pre-show match was... Elias versus Titus worldwide presents Apollo Cruz because why the hell not? Um got a lot of got quite a bit of time, especially for a pre show kinda under match. you would think. Um Elias ends up picking up the victory and Titus did not look happy with Apollo. Granted Apollo didn't look happy either, but I mean eh. He's not happy to be here anymore, I think. Um, is the luster kind of coming off of Apollo Cruz Because it seemed like he had gotten some when he joined the Titus Worldwide brand or the Titus brand or whatever the hell they're calling it this week. But it seems like now it's kind of back to where we were.
0: Yeah, I think so. But I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that we don't really see Apollo on television on a weekly basis anymore either. Kind of the bloom is off the rose in regards to when it comes to his reactions from live crowds because they don't get to see him on TV every week now. The only way you're regularly seeing the Apollo Crews matches these days is if you're a regular viewer of Main Event on the WWE Network. Which, quite frankly, who the hell is? Well, Larry, he reviews it for 411 Mania.
1: But, um, i feel sorry for him.
0: Zoom makes two of us. Although they did have a pretty good Cruiserweight tag match a couple of weeks ago. when
1: Ooh. Back
0: in Jan- July when I was actually at the Pittsburgh well, where it happened. But anyway, um, back to Apollo Cruz here real quick. I honestly think Apollo Cruz might be better suited in the tag team division or possibly maybe even looking at another run towards the Intercontinental title here because being in matches with somebody like Elias Sampson, while it will help Elias improve in the ring because I think Apollo's a very strong worker. Personality-wise, Apollo's not in Elias' league. Oh, God, absolutely not, and there's no question about that. I
1: think that's why Apollo had a... Uh, Titus O'Neill at his side, but unfortunately, it's kind of not helping anymore. Now, my my other question is, do we eventually see the Titus Worldwide brand move into music?
0: What, are you assuming that that Titus is going to try to recruit Elias? Because that would be stupid.
1: Of course it'd be stupid, but... You watch
0: the pay-per-view, stupid happens. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Um, The only way I could see the Titus World brand getting into music would be R-Truth, and R-Truth has already been made to be Elias' bitch on too many occasions that it's not really worth revisiting. You'd be better suited as a game show host.
1: Oh, wait, that didn't happen.
0: I don't get that reference, and we're going to move on.
1: They filmed the pilot for a game show on the network that R-Truth hosted. Unfortunately, they essentially dropped it halfway through recording.
0: Well, you know, budget cuts.
1: Yeah, of course. Anyway, so moving
0: moving into the main show itself,
1: we kick things off, well, with the guy that puts the jerk in Curtain Jerker, The Miz defending the Intercontinental Championship against Jason, Jordan, Angle, Gable,
0: uh, we'll figure it out. Well, hopefully we do, because they clearly haven't.
1: Yeah, it seems like uh, over the past couple of weeks, they've kind of forgotten that Jason Jordan is Kurt Angle's son, aside from the occasional mention, I believe it got mentioned once, about 30 seconds before the end of the match tonight.
0: And that was it. Well, do you think it has um, anything do you think it has anything to do with the fact that the fans are so violently turning against it? It's kind of
1: easy, especially if you listen to the promo that Jason Jordan cuts after losing ah. Only because of his wins. But I this was Jason, are we sure that Kurt Angle is Jason Jordan's dad? Because given the match tonight, I think more Scott Steiner.
0: There were a lot of freaking suplexes. Maybe Taz is his dad. Maybe, but I think Scott Steiner fits the
1: bill more. Now, if all of a sudden Jason Jordan ends up double his weight in muscle and, you know, dyes his hair in blonde,
0: we may know. Oh, no, that would mean that his father is Shelton Benjamin. Fair point.
1: (laughs) Well, no, I said double his weight in muscle. So, ah. Anyway, um, I mean... Did Jason Jordan hit anything else besides suplexes? Granted, he hit absolutely gorgeous suplexes, and I'm not going to deny that part. He's an absolutely gifted athlete. And then the Taraj interferes, and, you know, one distracts the ref. The other, decks Jordan. Miz hits the skull-crushing finale, and ta-da!
0: All right, let me ask you a question. Are you upset with this match because the Miz won? Because I actually thought the match was pretty good. And I think what's going to end up happening here is we're going to slowly have more and more involvement from outsiders and everything in Jason Jordan's business until he finally snaps on somebody and probably angle at that.
1: It's not the fact that the Miz won, although boo. For me, it was the fact that, for the mm-hmm. most part, I was actually rather bored with the match. You know, it's one of those things where Jason Jordan is a fantastic athlete. I'm not going to deny that, and I don't think anybody's going to deny that. My issue is he's kind of boring. And like I said, by the end of the match, I just kept thinking back to Scott Steiner in 2003. At least... At least he's hitting more different styles of suplexes than Brock Lesnar, but there's got to be something else in that arsenal. He had to have hit seven different types of suplexes probably a grand total of 26 times tonight. And eh, I like Jason Jordan. I think his tag team partner is better and I think has much more charisma. And then Jason Jordan cuts the promo after the match in the ring with Renee Young, and
0: that promo was doo doo. Yeah, that promo after the match was rough. Um, I thought the match itself was okay, probably around two and a half stars or so. But I think the promo itself uh, definitely brought down the vibes in the match. Though I don't think Jordan's at this. I don't think Jordan's at a point where he can carry interviews in and of himself, he's almost like Bobby Lashley in that regard, in that his, his in-ring work is serviceable, but his mic work is nothing special. And I'm referring to Lashley in the WWE, not the Lashley that we've gotten in TNA slash GFW TNA/GFW recently. Because that Lashley... Like well, I, I don't know if I'd agree with that. I think Lashley's actually improved a lot since his time away from the WWF, WWE, but that's neither here nor there.
1: Alright, fair enough. Um... All right, so moving on, our next contest, Man versus Man? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, I was getting the tag titles and the uh, Bray and Balor mixed up. So our next contest, Finn Balor, the man, not the Demon King, takes on Bray Wyatt, the man, even though he's a god. He literally said that, literally, Um, so, Bray attacks Finn while Finn is doing his entrance, and from the looks of it, has hurt Finn Balor's ribs enough that Balor can't go. So then he cuts a promo and says that Balor is a coward, and that he's weak, and essentially tries to get Balor pissed off, and lo and behold, it works. They then proceed to, now going into this, you would think it'd be a rather short match, and Wyatt would win. Nope. They have a normal match after this. Finn's ribs are fine, for the most part. And not only that, how bad do you really think the WWE treats Bray Wyatt that they could have him jump his opponent Injured his opponent to the point that he almost can't go, and still
0: lose. All right, let's be honest here. There is literally no chance of them taking Bray Wyatt seriously again on Monday Night Raw. He would be better off back with the spiders and the and the snails and the sna- serpents over on SmackDown than dealing with this. The second. I, the, the second that three count came down in this match against against Finn Balor, Bray Wyatt's credibility on Raw was shot. Even before
1: that, I thought the match. Actually, I thought the match was good. I thought they actually had very good chemistry against each other. Um, but I'm not I mean, having It felt like Bray should have won in like thirty seconds because of Balor not you know not follow or not going with orders to not wrestle. Should have been over
0: quick. Well my thought process when they did the Uranagi on the announce table before the match is that they were going to use it instead of some kind of like tables match blow off at TLC on the twenty second.
1: Yeah. But nope. Um yeah, it's like okay Bray, we're gonna give you the WWE championship. We're going to finally make you look credible. And they have done everything to shoot him in the foot Sense It's, it's absolutely unreal. So now he's 0-2 against Finn Balor.
0: 1-2. As
1: the demon on pay-per-view, sorry. 1-2. On pay-per-view? he beat Valor at Great Balls of Fire. Oh, that's right. So, but, I mean, too straight. So it's like at this point, if they're going to drag it to TLC, what
0: the hell's the point? Oh, no, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just pointing out that they are now actually... When when fans complain about 50-50 booking in the company, this is exactly what they're saying. Because the first two matches that these two had against each other, Bray Wyatt won, both on Pay-Per-View and on Monday Night Raw. And then the last two matches they had, the SummerSlam Demon appearance, and then tonight on uh, No Mercy, Finn Balor's won. That's definition 50-50 booking.
1: Yeah, so it's like, okay, so are we going to go to TLC four weeks from tonight and do some kind of a match?
0: God help us if it's a Chamber of Horrors match. Or a House of Horrors match. Just because. If, I, if I had to venture a guess based on the table spot we saw before the match happened, my guess is this would be your table's match
1: that almost to me would guarantee a Finn Balor win because it's much easier to hit a coup de grace through a table than a Sister Abigail through a table could you even do a Sister Abigail through a table
0: Avalanche off the turnbuckle I would assume that is gonna
1: suck. So, moving on, though. I mean, speaking of I, I, speaking really? of things
0: that smart speaking of things that smarted. Oh, is there a doctor in the house? Doctor Walter Jr. Two? is not here. How about two doctors?
1: We're probably going to need three doctors by the end of the night because it was about this point, give or take, No Mercy turns into a bloodbath with the following three matches. Because I fear for one of the competitors in one of the hype main events, considering one spot in that match. Braun shoulder?
0: No, 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 the other. Oh, well, if it's seen that it, it, he's gone for like three months anyway, so what difference no. does
1: it make? No, right match, but no, he wasn't
0: the one that spiked himself. Oh, yeah, ow. Okay, we'll talk about that when we get there. I know what you're referring to now. Um, Let's talk yeah. about this tag title match, you now and the fact that Apparently, sometimes on even the most basic moves in wrestling, things can go terribly, terribly, terribly wrong.
1: Uh, yeah, I think this might be the most memorable thing to happen because it is Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose Shield Point Five defending the Raw Tag Team Championships against Joe The <laughs> Anyway, uh, defending the belt against the bar, Seamus and Cesaro. Um, Would I be crazy for saying I thought it was actually better than their SummerSlam match and I liked
0: that match? I would would hesitatingly disagree with that. And the reason I would do so is because I think they kind of rushed the go-home for this match, and a lot of that has to do with what happened to both Cesaro and Ambrose.
1: Yeah, because even though the rest of the show... Well, even though this starts like a three-match bloodbath, this was the worst of it. Because at some point, I could not pinpoint where... I'm going with this one first. No, no, no. I'm not not going with that one first. I'm going with the other one first because... Oh, uh, Suicide Dive. So at some point, possibly during the Suicide Dive... Ambrose hurts his own shoulder and from the reaction that he had almost immediately after that tells me he dislocated his shoulder because he's hitting it against the barrier, the one that separates the fans from the action. He's hitting his shoulder against the barrier, which looks a hell of a lot like he's trying to put it back in. So he
0: dislocates his shoulder potentially. Yeah. I wanted to talk about that one real quick. Yeah. Um, Ambrose went to dive out onto uh, onto Seamus, and Ambrose actually kind of overshot the dive a little bit and went shoulder first into the barricade. And my assumption is that when he went shoulder first into that barricade, he probably popped his shoulder out of place. And then he spends the better part of the next 15, 20 seconds on the ground smacking it against the barricade when, when it appears to be an attempt to pop it back into place. Yeah. So it, was, it is
1: It is a literal case of putting your body on the line. And if anybody can attest to that, it's Mr. I lost my two front teeth in my best McFully impression, Cesaro. Because I believe it was Ambrose, of all people, goes to hit Cesaro with a slingshot, what, roughly five minutes into the match? It was a catapult.
0: I said slingshot.
1: Yeah. It's a slingshot. Anyway, roughly five to seven minutes into the match, so fairly early, Cesaro goes to take the headshot off of the ring post, you know, the kind of Mr. Perfect style uh, cell of it, and smashes his mouth off the ring post and almost immediately starts absolutely pissing blood from his mouth you end up getting a clean shot later, Cesaro has lost at least his two front teeth. I am thinking there's space for as many as three. And his mouth just jettisons blood for the remainder of the match to the point he had to actually duck outside to get medical treatment. And it worked for a little bit, and by the end, he's a bloody, bloody mess. This was ugly
0: it worked for a little bit until it got hit again. Of course. Um, somewhere backstage, Jeff Hardy is like, yeah, take that, you sons of bitches. And somewhere, Bret Hart is still blaming Seth Rollins, even though Ambrose did (laughs) this. That is 100% legit. Damn you bastard, Seth Rollins. Anyway, um, no, that is seriously one of the grossest things I've ever seen in pro wrestling. Like, I can handle, like, gimmick blood, but seeing Cesaro more or less get his his front jawline shattered by that ring post, hitting it a little, hitting it awkwardly on the catapult attempt there, that was gross. I'm trying to
1: think back now. This has cracked a tooth, right? I believe, you know, ladder match, I think?
0: Yeah, Michael's. Or not, Michaels Jericho.
1: So, so yeah, Jericho caused Miz to crack a tooth.
0: I believe in a ladder match. Jericho no, what? No, Michaels caused Jericho to crack a tooth in a ladder match. No, Jericho lost
1: a tooth. I'm talking about Miz cracking a tooth. That was Jericho was my next one.
0: I thought I thought Miz lost a tooth when AJ Styles backhanded him. That might be the one I'm thinking of. I I As a I think it is the one I'm thinking of. I want to say that it was during that style sh- I seem to remember the style strike sequence over on SmackDown, and when Styles did the spinning back fist, he caught Miz flush and knocked out a tooth. That, I think... I, just, I believe you were
1: right with that.
0: Because I'm I distinctly 100% sure I'm correct.
1: Yeah, I distinctly remember hearing people making a meme out of it with uh, certain scenes from JFK. Because Mrs. Head goes back into the left, back into the left. Anyway, so then there's also Jericho losing a tooth in the latter match with Shawn Michaels, and the most famous one of all being McFoley just completely screwing up himself in the Hell in a Cell in 1998. Um, I know. I'd argue, and I don't think it'd be much of an argument to say that this was the worst since Foley's.
0: Um, um, yeah, Jericho only lost the one tooth in the latter match. Miz only lost the one tooth from the backhand from Styles. As you said, it was two and probably three teeth for Cesaro. That had to suck no matter how you slice it.
1: Yeah, that was uh that was not pretty at all, but Cesaro being the man, finishes the match. He dips out for a little bit to receive some medical attention, and then after that, he finishes the damn match. Why? I'm using your line this time because Antonio Cesaro slash Claudio Castagnoli is a goddamn professional.
0: I do believe that Paul would not disagree with this. He would rightfully induct Cesaro into the goddamn professional club.
1: Yeah. Oh, and by the way, Rollins and Ambrose retained. <laughs> kind of an afterthought. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. It's V trigger followed by dirty deeds from Ambrose to Seamus for the pinfall. Because frankly, the last thing Claudio or Cesaro, sorry, old habit to die hard. The last yeah. thing Cesaro needed at that point was another strike to the face.
1: <laughs> yeah, that might be an understatement. Which I will say, both moves were caught pretty flush. That, that to me the. The ripcord V trigger and um and the dirty deeds. I thought it looked good, and I think it would it absolutely suits as a finisher. So I'm glad to see it happen that way.
0: All right. Oh, uh, yeah. Not to mention it also work. It also pays on the uh, continuity of the Reunited Shield point six six seven.
1: All right, I'll buy that. Alrighty, moving on. Someone else gets injured. Possibly. Granted, she also finished the match, but I was worried for a time. It is a fatal five way because WWE hates fours, apparently. It is Alexa Bliss defending the Raw Women's Championship against Nia Jax, Emma, Bailey, and Sasha Banks. This was the Nia Jax show. Pretty much. Because she's the one that comes out of this looking the absolute best, except for the fact that, um, within an eyelash of breaking her neck, which that is double, pow- cap-
0: the double power bomb off the apron to the floor.
1: Yeah, because I'm sitting there and wondering how many on the women's roster of draw just sat there and went, "Yeah, now you know how it feels." So for those that don't quite know, I believe it was Emma and Bailey. I know it was Bailey. I think it was Emma, too.
0: I'm 90% sure you are correct in stating that it was Emma.
1: Yes. I, I think it was Emma and Bailey are on the floor. Naya's is on the apron, and they go to powerbomb Naya all, from the apron to the floor. They end up getting an assist from Alexa and Sasha, and holy hell, do they over rotate Nia Jax ever so slightly to the point that she damn near lands on the back of her head. And considering the fact that Nia, I think, is either close to or is heavier than the two people bombing her combined, that's quite a bit of weight coming down right on the back of her neck. And once again, because she's pretty damn good at what she does she also finishes the match granted she didn't have a whole lot more after this because this happened probably two of the way through the match give or take so this one happened much later so she didn't have a whole lot more left
0: we're not um, the ladies involved directly in the finish were uh bailey alexa and i want to say it was sasha that got knocked off the apron
1: yeah, because Nia knocked herself out with an attempted spear into the guardrail. Not the only time we'd see that
0: tonight. We'll talk about that spear next. Um, let's go ahead and get back into the women's match here, though. And then, yeah, so and Alexa sidesteps Bailey and pushes her into uh, Sasha, and then Alexa hits that snap DDT to retain the title. I'm actually perfectly okay with Alexa retaining the title here.
1: I'm okay with it. I I truly, and I'm, and I'm not just saying this, I truly wanted to see Niall win it. I really did. Um, with the fact that it's Alexa retaining over pretty much the entire women's roster, aside from, well, actually, aside from everyone that Alexa mentioned on Raw Talk, being Dana Brooke, Alicia Fox, and... Someone that they kind of harped on about. I'll talk about that in a second. This seems clear that Alexa is down to one contender right now and will probably have another contender four weeks from tonight. Those two being Mickey James, who they talked about at length on Raw Talk. And if you saw Mickey James's social media posts, looks like that may be happening eventually. And four weeks from tonight, the debuting Asuka. So here's the question. Who takes it off of Alexa, and how long until Asuka gets the belt?
0: Uh, Asuka will be championed by, let's say, no later than the Rumble. Would you go so far as to say Survivor Series? No, I think that's too soon. Maybe, those, wondering, may, TLC. Maybe, maybe the Raw pay-per-view after Survivor Series. Maybe Armageddon?
1: I don't know that there is one. I'm starting to think there won't be one.
0: You think there's only going to be one pay-per-view in December and it'll be SmackDown?
1: Yeah, because I know Clash of Champions is confirmed. I believe, for December 17th.
0: Well, they're not going to do a show on December 31st. That would just be stupid.
1: So I was doing one on December 25th, but that one's happening. 24th, yeah. No, 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 no. I know what I said. It'd be stupid for them to do a show on December 25th, but it's happening. Well, yeah. In Chicago. Anyway, um... Yeah. Who do I, I think, who think do much I like just, September? Only, uh, real quick, I think much like September only has a Raw pay per view, I think that's made up for in December with only a
0: SmackDown pay per view. Well, not to mention, you got to think about the fact that they're probably considering that 19 pay per views is just too damn many. 17 might be too damn many. Well, yeah, granted, but at the same time, at least. At least in the road to WrestleMania, you're cutting back on the pay per view so you have less stories that you have to tell at these B-show pay-per-views on the road to the Royal Rumble and then afterwards. Fair point. Anyway, getting back to this. Um, I mean, the answer, to your I... Second, the answer to your second question as far as who's going to be the one to beat Alexa for the title, I think eventually it will be Sasha. And the reason I say that is because I think they're going to want to have Afka as a heel and she's going to have to beat a face for the title, and I think Sasha is the most obvious choice since fans of NXT have already, and they've shown it inside of the video packages that have aired on Raw, we've already seen Asuka and Bailey happen before. We've never seen Asuka Sasha happen before. I think,
1: might be wrong, but I think out of the majority of the, we'll say, bigger players, I think the only match between Asuka and somebody on the Raw roster that's worth a damn there's a reason I'm saying that. That has not happened is Oscar and Sasha. We've got Oscar Bailey, we've got Oscar Naya, we got Oscar Emma,
0: we got uh Oh, uh, actually did we get
1: Oscar
0: uh- and Alexa? Oscar Alexa never happened, Oscar Mickey did. Know, yeah, Oscar Mickey did.
1: So Mickey, Naya, Emma, Bailey I think Dana did happen too. The only ones that it didn't happen right now are Alexa, Sasha, and um, Alicia, and Alicia Fox. But it's Alicia Fox. So okay, first first of all, it's Alicia
0: Fox. Not anymore. No, it's still Alicia Fox to me because it's funny, but. Um, I have no interest in Alex and Oscar Alex- and, and, Al- and Alicia. Uh, but it, try saying that Duh. Duh. I have I have very little interest if it hasn't happened in Oscar Dana. Uh, to be feel fair, like
1: it did going into Oscar's NXT Takeover debut or in that ballpark. Because Oscar, I would not be surprised,
0: Emma. I think the money match at WrestleMania for Oscar is probably Charlotte. Do
1: we do champion versus
0: champion? Um, See, I think that would be dumb not to defend the titles, but I think Oscar-Charlotte's the money match heading into WrestleMania. Maybe we get the Women's Rumble and Charlotte wins the Women's Rumble and decides to challenge Oscar. I mean, we haven't yet had anybody jumping ship for a title match. For the record, if that happens, I'm going to play this tape back and state that I called it four months prior. I'm not going to deny you either,
1: because that would be a hell of a call. But that might also be somewhat of a chip shot of a call.
0: I mean, yeah, it would. Uh, it would almost be clear as day that either Oscar Charlotte or Oscar Becky's the money match for WrestleMania. So, Oscar Charlotte, if you're asking Vince. Well, yeah. Becky would probably be a better match. Uh, I don't know. I think Charlotte's really come into her own. I'm looking forward to Charlotte and Natalia at uh, at Hell in a Cell. And at Starcade. Yeah, well, you know, house show, maybe network, maybe not, depending, we'll see. We'll
1: see. Anyway,
0: so I do hope Nia gets better. At least I hope she wasn't
1: seriously hurt. It looked like she was able to overcome that, but that was a nasty
0: fall to take. I 100 agree. I 100 agree with that. I will also ask you, where does Alexa go from here? Does she defend against Bailey in a, another singles, or do we get the Charlotte, the Sasha one on one rematch? Excuse me.
1: At this rate, I don't know. So I am not really a fan of these matches because. If the champion retains, then the credibility of everyone else in the match is kind of shot. If someone else
0: wins, at least to me, that lends a little bit more credibility. See, I disagree but, with that. I, I, I think Sasha still has a legitimate gripe based on the fact that she was knocked off the apron by Bailey and unable to make the save.
1: Because while this match was the Nia Jack show, Partially because I actually think she got one of. The, I think she got the biggest reaction out of everybody in the match.
0: Um, uh, I don't know that entry. That entrance part for Alexa was pretty strong. I'm talking strictly like the
1: intros, you know, kind of the power cheer. I, I believe I've heard it called. Um, I I still think Alexis was the loudest of the five. I heard a lot of booze. I think Naya had the most by like, street. Cheers. It's kind of sad. Bailey may have also had the most booze. Oh well. Yeah. Well, in fairness, they so thoroughly destroyed the Bailey character. Yep. Well aware. Anyway, speaking of destroying character, our next contest.
0: <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm going, I'm going to completely run my mouth and shoot on you for five weeks going into the show, but after the match, I'll shake your Get the fuck out of here. The thoughts and opinions of Harry Broadhurst. Oh, you 100% agree with me, and don't you even say anything. Maybe not the verbiage that I use there. No, no,
1: I don't agree. <laughs> I don't agree, especially with Cena's promo after. So our next contest is the match you probably should have gotten in New Orleans, instead you're getting it in LA tonight. Roman Reigns versus John Cena. Big match, John versus the big dog. Um this was long. And I'm pretty sure the credibility of John Cena's finisher kind of went out the window, all of them. Because John Cena hits Roman Reigns with legitimately four attitude adjustments, including an avalanche attitude adjustment and the double attitude adjustment, where he rolls through and Roman Reigns pops up almost immediately, hits a second spear, or hits a Superman punch and a second spear and
0: wins. What the hell? Not the first time we've seen the Avalanche FU kicked out of. Not the first time we've seen the consecutive FU's kicked out of. Disagree with the fact that those killed those moves. Because the only two people we've seen do it now are AJ Styles and Roman Reigns, and those are guys who most fans will buy if kicking out of those moves. That being said, if Slash No returns anytime soon, he does need a new finish. Well, the
1: only reason is that I... Cena eventually won when Styles kicked out of the Avalanche.
0: That was at the Rumble, right?
1: Yes. Cena won via the double AA, the roll through double AA. No one had ever kicked out of that. Not to mention, I'm fairly certain it may, may have been only the second time that Cena has done all three variations. And yes, there are three different variations of the attitude adjustment, the normal, the avalanche, and the roll through double. Zeno won the first time he used all four. Not here. And then I, the part that has me griping, I'm okay with Roman Reigns winning. I figured Roman Reigns was going to win. I think a lot of people saw that coming outside of one person. And you and I both know him, and I got to do a show with him on Wednesday. He actually took Cena like a goof. Anyway. Well, in this case, Captain Get it together. Come on, man. Um my gripe is the fact that Cena hits the double AA and almost immediately after Roman hits the Superman, punch the spear and wins. Now, the biggest thing, I think, coming out of here is the first spear, where they kind of started getting frustrated. They go to the outside, and Cena ends up clearing off both tables. Well, if he's clearing off the tables, he's going for one. He goes to attitude adjustment, however the hell you want to say it, Roman threw it. Roman fights out and spears Cena through the, I believe, Spanish announce table from the German
0: announce
1: table. There's too really? many
0: freaking There's too many freaking announce tables. I lost track. I believe the ringside ones were Spanish
1: and German. I believe Portuguese and commentators row and everything were all the other ones. Um, Roman spikes himself. He oh, Jesse spikes he himself. Maybe not as bad as when Edge did it off the ladder in TLC two, but Roman went head first to the floor, and you can see after the match he was hurting because yikes three for three.
0: Good God. Um. um I don't dislike the match. Let me state that before we get started here. I felt the beginning was a little bit slow for my liking, but I understand why. That being said, for as much as I didn't dislike the match, I wasn't drawn into it either, and the reason I say that is because I think I went into a match like this with the hype that it had gotten expecting something major to happen here, and instead it was just a match, if that makes sense. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, it does. Also, this should be obvious, this is the longest match
0: of the show. Well, the reason I say that is because you expect some kind of major storyline development to happen here, and realistically speaking, it's just a 20-minute match between these two. An approximately 20-minute match. I don't know the exact time. I don't have it in front of me. 2205. My point being is that given the amount of hype going into this match and the, and the length that it wanted, I kind of expected more from a deliverance standpoint as far as going forward than what we got. That being said, I don't think the match was bad. Just color me a little underwhelmed. I'd probably put it around three, three and a half stars. Out of? Five. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah, to me, the beginning was a little slow. At the same time, they wanted to give it that, you know, turn upon, pun, giving John Cena big match feel. You know, to me, this was a lot better than John's SummerSlam match. Not Roman's, but Roman's was, you know, an absolute cluster and a half. I was totally okay with it. I thought, and and I expected this. Uh, I thought the crowd did seem to at a little, and not just. The crowd kind of feeding into, you know, Roman sucks, evil both uh, uh, blah blah blah. Not even feeding into that. By the time is hitting the Avalanche, A.A. crowd's giving no reaction. The crowd's dead. It felt like, or it's either they just were dead from the previous ma- or from the previous two matches. Because let's be honest, those were both great matches to me, at least. It felt like they were either dead or something because they were just silent, and to me, Stan backed it. Surprise, surprise. But by no means did I think this was a bad match. I saw someone who said that this was the low point of the show, bull. To me, so far, the opener has been the low point of the show. I thought this was a very, very good match. Now, some inequality, On paper, yes. For attitude adjustments, you'd think. Two spears, including one through a table, you'd think. But to me, the crowd kind of wasn't there for it, and I felt like they should have been. I thought it brought down what was, to me, a good match.
0: Yeah, I don't really have any issues, per se, like I said, with the match itself. I think maybe they set expectations too high for what they delivered. Theoretically, this is, the kind of, this is the kind of match that you could see main eventing a Survivor Series, main eventing a SummerSlam, main eventing a WrestleMania. But if you're going to constantly tell us going into a match that it's going to be arguably one of the best matches of the year, then it has to step up to that level. And frankly, I don't know that it did.
1: It probably also didn't help that not only was this not the main event, which I thought it would
0: be, this was nowhere near the main event, given our last well, contest. Well, I think this was the sub-main event, and the reason I say that is because the next match that we're about to discuss right now is your popcorn match.
1: Yeah. I almost don't want to talk about it. Cruiserweight Championship is on the line. The king of the
0: cruiserweights, Neville. Defense. That was actually pretty good. Thank you. You've been defense. working on your Neville, I see.
1: Of course, always. (laughs) Didn't help tonight. Damn sure didn't help tonight. And he defends the Cruiserweight Championship against the realest guy in the room, Enzo Amore.
0: And the Cruiserweight division was pronounced dead on Sunday, September 20... Help me out here. Fourth. Thank you. At approximately 10, 15, 10, 20 p.m. at night. All right, let me state for the record that I actually don't hate Enzo, unlike most. I don't <laughs> care. Huh? No, I was
1: just going to say, we actually agree on that. I loved Enzo when he debuted, but they kind of started weaning,
0: and now I just don't dislike him. Go ahead. Well, what I was going to just say about that real quick is that, uh, like, I don't, I don't dislike Enzo, but at the same time, I, don't, I get why Enzo's where Enzo is right now. And I think it's too fluid. It's A, to keep him off of Raw for, for a regular basis in order to keep him from interacting with the, how do I put this, the people that he has rubbed the wrong way. And in addition, it's to bring some kind of personality to 205 Live. That being said, him bringing personality to 205 Live is going to hurt 205 Live where it counts the most, and that's in-ring product. Because people watch 205 Live, they're not really watch the people that watch 205 Live aren't really watching for the personality of these athletes. They're watching for the flippity-does and the flippity-does and the oohs and the ahs and the awesome moves and stuff. And Enzo's not capable of any of that inside of the ring. Although I will say the DDT looked really nice tonight. DDT. Whatever.
1: Except, I thought he originally called it the Certified GDT. That's why
0: I said GDT because that's what I thought it was. Oh, I thought you just said DDT. Anyway, no, I um, s- I said GDT.
1: My apologies.
0: Um, who the hell did Neville piss off? Apparently, he's not. Apparently, Neville's not allowed to shoot on the microphone like Miz is.
1: <laughs> apparently. And mm, then what true. made it worse is the Eddie Guerrero finish. Well, the Eddie Guerrero second finish. The first well, one Neville being IQ because of the fake title shot, blah, blah, blah.
0: Well, I mean, I actually, I kind of get that. And the reason that I say that is because you're not going to put Enzo clean over Neville. There's literally zero reason to do that.
1: I get that. But I, I, I don't dislike, I don't know, I'll go so far as to say, I like Enzo. I really do. I think he's still one of the best on the mic. And I, and I mean that. But... He's the cruiserweight champion.
0: He beat
1: the king of the cruiserweights, Neville, who has had a damn stranglehold on that
0: belt for nine months. Other than Kozawa, but yeah.
1: Like, I think they said 226 out of a
0: possible 232 days you the belt? That would sound about right.
1: And the belt.
0: And it ends on
1: a fake title shot, referee distraction, lo low. I get the idea of Enzo outsmarting Neville, but, uh...
0: Just, my hope no. is that the, my hope is that this lasts no longer than 205 Live, and we can move on from there.
1: I'm almost feeling this might last 205 days. Mm. Actually, I think 205 days would put us in the ballpark of WrestleMania.
0: Uh, six and a half months? Yeah, close. No, after...
1: Get
0: the idea. Actually no close.
1: Do you have any other thoughts about this while I uh, look that up?
0: Uh no. I'm good. Stalling for time. We're stalling for time.
1: Well, after that it is main event time. So, it is The Monster Among Men.
0: Uh-huh, sure it is. Oh, wait, have I, have to let, I have to let you describe the match first before I get into snarky commentary. My mistake. Go ahead.
1: Check out. The Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, going up against the Universal Champion, Brock Lesnar. The other of the... WrestleMania-style main events that they promised.
0: So I, I wish the, there was a stipulation. I did the preview of this match for the W2M No Mercy predictions poll. And would you like to know what my preview said for this particular match?
1: No, but you'll say it anyway, so go ahead.
0: Bite me. All right. The concept of the fact that Braun has completely dominated the build-up to this match both intrigues and concerns me. It intrigues me because it is a role we are not used to seeing Lesnar play. It has happened before, but it is not one that traditionally happens when you have a champion who is, and this is paraphrasing here, when you have a champion as strong as Brock is. It concerns me because the last person we saw dominate a build like this with Brock was Goldberg, and you need to look no further back to WrestleMania to see how that one ended. I feel like Nostra freaking dumbass. Got that right. Uh, By
1: the way, I was off by nine days. 196. Close enough. Until April eighth,
0: two thousand and eighteen. Can't believe we're going that far into April for WrestleMania, but whatever. Moving on. Um,
1: blame Easter.
0: Seriously, blame Easter. Easter's on April Fool's Day. I, I I I had a comment for that, but I'm pretty sure it would piss off our owner, so I'm not going to make it. Let's move on. Um. I wanted Braun to win. I really did. I think you and pretty much most of the rest of the viewing audience wanted Braun to win this match. Maybe
1: not necessarily
0: predicted Braun winning, although I did. Kevin beat me 4-3
1: because he took Brock and I took Braun. But I wanted Braun to win, especially if the rumor that Brock is not coming back until January is true. I want to see the damn belt. That's one of the things that bugs the ever loving, here or even, bugs the ever loving shit out of me. Is the fact that now we're not going to see the damn belt until Royal Rumble time.
0: Four months, almost. I would love to say that I'm surprised by this, but I'm frankly not. It is exactly as I it is exactly as I predicted in the preview that I wrote up for this here. The last person to so thoroughly dominate Brock Lesnar in a build up to this was Goldberg, and you need look back no further than WrestleMania to see how that one ended.
1: Yes, but Goldberg got a win in the beginning.
0: Braun yeah. Ended.
1: So, if nothing else, you also could have done something along the lines of give. Essentially, granted, it would suck doing it, but do the exact same thing. Braun destroys Brock tonight. Braun wins the title. The only difference being, unlike Goldberg, Braun actually defends the damn thing. Between now and the Rumble, and you have Brock win the rematch at the Rumble for the belt. And then you could go on your merry old way towards Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar at Mania. And, and Braun
0: that was that, gets the belt. And that was actually my prediction on the W2M one. I thought that the time was now to pull the trigger on Brock Sherman. He is the most overact in the company, despite being a heel. The fans are organically behind Strowman. That being said, that being said, they have a six million dollar man to protect in Brock Lesnar, and apparently Braun Strowman is not on the list of protected opponents.
1: Yet Goldberg was somehow for a few months, anyway. Like it. This, this is one that boggles my mind. It really does. Even, like, it boggled my mind when Brock wins over Joe. But I was okay with that, knowing that SummerSlam was on the horizon. Then that Final Four way, Brock still wins, and it boggled my mind. That one above all. Tonight, more or less, pissed me off. I'm kind of okay with Brock winning, and I mean, I understand why Brock won. maybe they just don't want to pull the trigger on braun just yet, although why but it's also a fact of how many how many finishers did braun hit Brock with three three running power slams I think
0: there were there were. Three running power slams. There was a Paris spine busters, which he's used as a finish before as well.
1: How many F5s
0: did Brock need to beat Braun? One, but Braun did get out of the kimura. Did he? Yes.
1: No, no, he didn't. Braun did yep. not get out of the kimura.
0: Braun used the rope.
1: That is not okay. Out
0: of the kimura. Well, he didn't tap to the Kamara, then, ass?
1: Well, but you get my point, though.
0: No, it's a difference without a distinction. I get that.
1: I'm okay with Brock winning. I don't like how it happened. Granted, you could go along, and in in the W2M chat, it was brought up, and I'm okay with, you could go along and say, Braun gassed himself out. Fine. But even still, three running power slams, couple spine busters, stuff he's won matches with, and Brock wins with one F five that kind of much like the Superman Punch and Spear came to quote a phrase from another show out of
0: nowhere. And Brock wins. Just one, one, so, uh, just one hell, one time. I want one of these moves to come out of somewhere. You laughed at my corny joke. Um.
1: So, quite frankly, on a night where you could have passed the torch. Nothing really happened. I thought maybe they'd pull the trigger on Jason Jordan holding the belt for at least a little bit. I thought maybe they'd pull the trigger on Braun Strowman winning the belt for a little bit, and that way your your, uh, belt is seen on TV more often, and both of them, nope. And the one passing the torch that everyone thought was going to happen did happen. All right. Any final thoughts?
0: I'd say, it, I'd say it's big finish, Tom. All righty, short and big finish, as we do here
1: on the reaction. So it is best and worst match, and final score only, I believe, in this case. Yes. Do you mean sort of This almost feels like a gimme. What's your worst match of the show?
0: Does the pre-show count? No. Well, then I have to go with Enzo and Neville. And I actually think that's kind of disrespectful because these guys actually tried, but unfortunately for them, trying does not necessarily equal doing. Enzo's never going to be the world's greatest worker, and the quicker people accept that, the better off the Cruiserweight division is going to be in that regard. With that being said, I think that there are going to be a lot of Cruiserweight purists, those of us that watched the division get its start back in the Cruiserweight Classic, that realize that this division was built completely around ring work, and Enzo is the antithesis of what we come to expect from these matches.
1: Um it's gonna sound like same old same old for me, but I ask that you listen to my reasoning and I'm specifically talking to you. The opener. Not just because Vol Miz wins. That's not the reason. Uh huh. It's not, actually. It's the fact that Jason Jordan needs to add more to his repertoire if he's going to hold that belt. The Miz, while yes, I have a very distinct disdain for him, has tried. That's all I'm giving him. But the fact that Jason Jordan pretty much dominated the entire match, and then Miz tries, interferes at the very, 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 very end, while Miz wins, And also, accompanied with the fact that Jason Jordan still cannot cut a promo, and the fact that I think about 95% of his arsenal are suplexes. And while they're very crisp, very clean, very good, you're not Scott Steiner. Add something else. Granted, the outfit would make me think otherwise, but... I just found the match more or less to kind of just be boring. You know, Miz showed personality. Jason Jordan just suplexed and suplexed and suplexed and suplexed. So if Brock Lesnar is the mayor of Suplex City, would Jason Jordan, being the hokey character that he is, be the president of Suplex Suburb?
0: I was going to say the treasurer, Suplex City.
1: Mm. But either way, I was I not did, a fan of the match, not for the reasonings that we usually, you usually have to deal with from me.
0: So, ha. All right. Here's my thing when it comes to uh, Jason Jordan. And this is the biggest gripe that I have with him, and I'll be straight up blunt and honest about this here. The guy is charisma deficient there are certain times where he has negative charisma. Putting him into this role where he's playing such an important character on Raw, in a role that would have been absolutely fantastically done by Chad Gable, who has more charisma in his hand than Jason Jordan has in his entire body, seems like a gigantic waste of both of the American Alpha members.
1: You know what the really weird part about it is, like the absurdly strange part about it? The only reason American Alpha existed was because NXT said that Jason Jordan had no charisma and er, and Chad Gable would help him with that. That's why American Alpha existed, because Chad Gable is almost got here. To me, Jason Jordan's very good at suplexing and is a pretty damn good wrestler, but to me, even in that, as good as Jason Jordan is, to me, Chad Gable still smokes him. And yet, look who the one that's pushed.
0: I still feel the need to point out that I don't actually dislike Jason Jordan. I dislike how he's being used, because I think there's potential in Jason Jordan. He is just in a spotlight he is clearly not ready for.
1: I I totally agree. I don't think Jason Jordan is bad. I like him. I especially liked him in American Alpha. But how much of
0: that is Jason Jordan himself, and how much of that is Chad Gable? Um, we were talking, we were talking about this while I was watching the show with Tom and Warren, and I want to get your thoughts here. If Jason had won the title of the night, you know what three words immediately sprung to mind for me? Mm. Die, Jason, die. Ooh. Ooh. No, won't work they would have had the next-generation Rocky Maivia on their hands in terms of crowd reaction. No, they wouldn't have at all. The reason, I, I don't mean that in what The Rock turned into with The Rock. They would have had him as Rocky Maivia on their hands again.
1: Oh, okay. Okay, now I get what you mean. So I was, I was going to say, Jason Jordan can't defend himself on the mic. The Rock could.
0: No, I, this would have been... Uh, Rocky Mayavia Rock, not The Rock Rock. It would have been Die, Rocky, Die all over again with the IC strap. Yeah. Okay. Totally get that then.
1: Alrighty. Switching gears. What is the best match of this show?
0: Crap, I'm going bite. Give me a second.
1: <laughs> you want me to go first? Yes, please. Okay. Um... To me, this is actually a little bit tough because I thought there actually were some very good quality matches on this show. But for me, a Raw Tag Team Championship match, I thought uh, I absolutely thought that Sheamus, Cesaro, Ambrose, and Rollins delivered yet again. And it's one of those things where if you can get a not so much inspired, but an Ambrose that gives a damn you can have a very good match. And to me, it seems like since they've put him with Seth, he's kind of started turning it up again, and we're getting better and better matches. Um, I think, you know, despite him dislocating his shoulder, I thought he did very, very well. I thought Rollins more than held his own, and once again, Cesaro proves that he is the man by... Losing at least two teeth early. I'd say the match was one-third over, so fairly early, and he still goes and pulls off the rest of the match. I'm interested to see where Rollins and Ambrose go from here because it kind of feels like the newly geared, the bar, is kind of done with in the tag team championships. So it'll be interesting to see how things go from here. But I thought they tore the house down. I, I definitely thought this was
0: the best match of the night. You summed it up earlier in three simple words. Technically, two if you use the contracted version. Goddamn professional! Paul, oh. Paul officially signed off on it. Cesaro is indeed a goddamn professional. <laughs> you know what? I want to see Cesaro go next. To the doctor? <laughs> Damn you! <laughs> Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I want to see Cesaro in the main events on Monday Night Raw now. I want to see Cesaro in the main event on the Raw exclusive pay per view. I want to see Cesaro in the main event of shows like the Royal Rumble, shows like WrestleMania, shows like SummerSlam. Shows like Survivor Series. Because damn if that dude doesn't bust his ass, and in this case, his teeth for this company.
1: All right, so if you want him in the main event at Survivor Series, if you want him in the main event on Raw, if you want him in the main event of the Raw exclusive pay-per-views, you don't want him against Brock Lesnar.
0: I do, because Because Cesaro
1: will be there. No, Cesaro will be there. Go to hell, Brock.
0: I want him to take the belt from Brock. I want Cesaro as the man on Monday Night Raw, because frankly there is nothing that that dude has done over the course of the last, God, two years since he's been with, been back with in this company's good graces after the run with Sheamus in the singles matches and then turning into the tag team. Everything he has touched has turned to gold, He has got Dean Ambrose motivated again. How many people can say that? Best match of the night was the Raw Tag Team title match. And for the love of all that is holy, be thankful that Cesaro is in Los Angeles here, because I guarantee you 24-hour dentists are surely a thing in L.A. Oh, absolutely. So I'm hoping that they had him all spiffy and good to go in no time flat, and preferably with a shit ton of Novocaine. So don't
1: have him cut a promo tomorrow. Well, uh, later.
0: I reiterate, goddamn professional.
1: I real quick. I can get the reasoning behind everything that he kind of had dumped on him before, but Antonio Cesaro, Cesaro, Claudio Castagnoli, whatever the hell you want to call him, has essentially pulled off what Daniel Bryan and what Cody Rhodes both did. He took... Everything that was given to him, speaks five languages, yodels, uh, uh, the King of Swing, he took all of that, including this makeshift tag team, and has turned it into gold. Not in the, you know, form of belts and everything, because that's kind of the issue, but He took everything and he ran with it. He has done everything that he has asked for and has damn near done it with a smile on his face. And now tonight, he literally broke the smile on his face for our entertainment. Vince McMahon, what the fuck is wrong with you, that you do not show your damn appreciation to this man who has given everything for you. Give him a belt. I see title. uh, Let's think realistically with the universal title. That's probably not going to happen. Roman, Braun, Joe when he comes back, Brock, Cena if he decides to jump ship to Raw, that one's kind of full. Granted, Cesaro has great matches with all of them, except for Brock because Brock's not there. Give him something. Show your damn appreciation. He's grabbed your brass ring. Give him something.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny for all this talk of brass rings and waiting for people to grab them. Uh, what happens when you reach for one and it's not there?
1: Uh, before we get out of here, final score time.
0: So I think Which this is going to be gonna, no mercy. I feel like this is going to be an interesting conversation because I feel like this show is rather divisive at points. If you understand what I mean.
1: The middle three are great. The
0: ends are iffy. <laughs> um. See, I actually enjoyed I enjoyed Roman. Or oh, not Roman and. I enjoyed Braun and Brock for what it was, because it was kind of what we thought it was going to be. To to steal a line from Dennis Green here, they are who we thought they were. Really? Absolutely. And If you're interested in in football conversation, you can listen to the kickoff here on the W2M Network. Anyways, had to get my cheap plug in.
1: Let's go back to when the Bears went to the Super Bowl,
0: asshole. Anyways. Congrats on your win today, by the way. Yeah. Win is a win is a win. But anyway, back to what I was saying in regards to uh, my overall show rating. This is going to be a very divisive show because there are several really high points on this show. The women's title match is very good. The tag title match is very good. Roman and Cena, once the stalling first five or so minutes of the match get out of the way, is very good. That being said, the Intercontinental title match is probably a miss. Finn and Bray is probably a miss. Enzo and Neville is 100% a miss in ring. Storyline-wise, story it tells a great story. But in ring action, it fails to deliver up to Cruiserweight expectations. Your mileage will vary the main event depending on how you do or don't feel about Lesnar. I think I have to go thumbs in the middle on this show, and I've got to go somewhere around a five and a half. Mr. Ketza, how about yourself?
1: This is not worthy of hashtag cancel WWE Network. Quite frankly, anyone who's actually saying that, which I have seen some people say
0: that... are Likewise? Just huh? Likewise?
1: Yes. It's basically just being a whining bitch. Well <laughs> then... What? Tell I me mean, how you really
0: feel. Jesus.
1: Uh, people are pissing me off today.
0: <laughs> Clearly.
1: Yeah. I didn't like the opener. Not for the reasons you would normally think. Shush. You already explained I wasn't going to give you any more grief. The Cruiserweight title match? Uh, I like Enzo. I don't like Enzo being the cruiserweight champion. Fair to me, it pretty much, as we mentioned earlier, murders the division. We figured Roman and Cena. Roman was going to win and beat Cena. Aside from one person, I was more or less okay with that match. Maybe there's a little stalling in the beginning. I thought they ended up having a pretty damn good match and. Uh, Maybe I'm not a fan of Roman hitting the Superman punch and spear literally right out of the double AA, but the biggest gripe that I have is Brock still winning. I didn't think the match was that bad. You can still tell the story that Braun gassed out, because he did, and Brock still wins. Okay, to me, the middle three matches... Make up for it. I had to make sure that I had that right positioning. I actually enjoyed uh, Bray and Balor. I really did. Um, The first part of the match kind of makes no sense, or the pre-match kind of makes no sense, with Balor picking up the win, but I still thought their match was actually pretty good. I think they had very good chemistry. And then the back-to-back title matches, to me, were awesome. I thought they were really, really good. The Raw Tag Team title match, if there was any of the seven, I would say, go out of your way to watch, that's the one. I saw some people giving it match of the year contender. I don't know that I'd go that far, but very, very good. And I thought the women's title match was like a frantic pace the entire way through, from the looks of it, nobody got majorly injured and anybody did. It's the one that's kind of garnered the heat of being the one injuring everybody. Figure that one out. I'm going with a six and a half. I think this is a quality pay-per-view. I actually don't think it's really that bad of a pay-per-view at all. Are there questionable decisions? Yes. For me, the biggest gripe that I would have out of everything are some of the endings, especially the specifically the endings to the last three matches. Other than that though, getting to those finishes, there's nothing really overly bad. You know, Roman and Cena went long because they wanted it to be a WrestleMania style match. Hence a lot of finishers. Two Superman punches two spears, including one through a table, four attitude adjustments, including a double, and they just kept pouring it on, eventually. Brock and Braun, I didn't expect it to be a 20-minute classic. As a matter of fact, it actually went about twice as long as I thought it would be. I figured it was going to be along the lines of Goldberg and Brock, the second match. So that kind of surprised the hell out of me. (sighs) Do I not like the ending? Yes. But getting there, I didn't think it was that bad. At all. I would absolutely give this a more than decent rating. I thought it was a six
0: and a half. I think maybe I'm a victim of my own expectations and maybe I'm a victim of them overhyping what they ended up delivering. And the reason jaded I say that I'm a wrestling fan? No. Wait, try that again? I didn't hear you.
1: A jaded wrestling fan? No.
0: All right, that's funny. But um, what I mean by that is I think my issue comes from the fact that we were promised such and such a show and such and such a match out of two of these matches, and only one of them really lived up to the hype of what we probably expected it to. And I think a lot of people aren't going to give that match the credit that it deserves because of the two people that were involved in it. Can I ask you a question? You can try. I can't promise I'll be able to answer it, but you can certainly try.
1: I think you will.
0: Do you think the reason the other match doesn't live up to the hype is because of who won? No. I think the reason the other match doesn't live up to the hype is because of how the match was, was fit placed. Like how they, uh, how they booked the match. I think the match suffers from the fact that they kind of booked them into a corner by having it being so thoroughly one-sided until the finish. Do
1: you think it would have been better if it was a total brawl like the SummerSlam match was?
0: Just yeah, I think on. it would have been better if they'd have been out there just throwing bombs at each other and eventually Brock was the last man standing. So that's to speak. That's
1: how I wanted it to, because that, that's... That, honestly... Uh, out of everything associated with my pay-per-view, that is 100% my outright biggest issue. I think Brock and Braun would have been better served, granted, you know, once again, you're adding yet another stipulation to this match, and God knows they both had a ton of them already, but I think it would have been better served if it was... A notice qualification match, or a false count anywhere match, or some kind of match. You put a notice qualification, you let them go crazy for 10 minutes, and why are we so highly regarding the SummerSlam main event? Granted, it was kind of a lackluster SummerSlam card, but you had four guys go out there, falls to the wall for not that long. I don't even remember. I think it was barely 10 minutes but they beat the hell out of each other using everything that wasn't nailed down in sight. And a couple of things probably needed the same thing because unlike Samoa Joe, Braun's not exactly a gifted wrestler. Joe was able to have a great match with Brock with no stipulations because Joe can go. Braun hasn't proven himself yet, and I think that would have been better served if they had something added to it. For the record,
0: they nailed each other with everything that wasn't nailed down and a couple of things that were.
1: Well, yeah, if the uh, barrier was nailed down. Mm
0: -hmm. Screwed, technically, but still. Speaking of screwed, that's how I feel about Brock retaining. Screwed? Yes, 100%. I'm right there with you in the discussion about not having the champion around on a regular basis, but I think at this point we're pretty much just doing it to ourselves by expecting the company to make that kind of a decision. They feel like Brock moves the needle. Unfortunately, the ratings have come in to prove that to an extent when he's announced to appeal on Raw, Brock moves the needle.
1: So does Vince McMahon, but he doesn't have the
0: WWE World Championship. <coughs> yep. It's not 1999. That's not happening again. At least I hope to God it doesn't happen again.
1: oh well, I mean... Kevin Owens is going to go through the entire McMahon family,
0: and Jinder Mahal is the SmackDown Heavyweight Champion. So, stranger things have occurred. Which I got to watch that. Anyway, I think I think we're done here, Patrick.
1: I think we are. So that was who we'll reacts to WWE No Mercy. I mean, kind of take it for what it is. Watch the two uh, in the middle title matches I would say so we are pretty much out of here although I will mention real quick that we are in presentation of the W2N network so be sure to check us out at w2nnet.com alongside 411media.com and last one from wrestling.com. assuming the show is up on those two
0: I'm not a hundred percent certain and then we. What? Let's go ahead and do some uh, some quick personal plugs here as well. If you're interested in hearing more of myself, you can listen to the kickoff here on the W Two O Network. Myself, Stephen er, the III, and Brandon Bisca being present to you a pardon the interruption style debate and discussion show where we talk we tackle topics related to college and the NFL. And Patrick and I have another show that this Wu reacts really as a branch off of. And that show returns next Sunday. Patrick, tell them about that. Indeed, it
1: does. So, Wrestling Unwrapped returns next week with kind of a pretty big show. No, no, no. Not that big show. In the fact that we will be celebrating the 20th anniversary of a certain match. That being the debut of the Hell in a Cell. Of course, going into WWE Hell in a Cell because every other week for the next month and a half, jerks. We will be reviewing Bad Blood 1997, main evented by a number one contenders match for the WWF Championship. It is The Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels in the first ever Hell in a Cell match. So that will be next week. And then we're off for another Woo React for WWE Hell in a Cell. And then the week after that, we will be venturing back to England where we will be doing Revolution Pro UK and their show headlined by the one and only Zack Sabre Jr. taking on the current Raw General Manager, Kurt Angle. And then we're off again for TLC. Every other week.
0: This was our big mistake in returning on Sundays.
1: Still worked out. We've still done more shows this year than we. Did. Never mind. Anyway, that My will be th- starting next week. So,
0: as always, for, for our per- for our producer in Ethereum, Sean Garmer. I'm Harry Broadhurst.
1: Oh, I get to say my own name? Thank you. I'm Patrick Katz. Thank you very much for listening to us as we Reacts to WWE No Mercy 2017 here on the W2M
0: Network. Get it, Cesaro. No mercy. Dude, that song is awesome. We out. Yes,
1: the following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment.